morning. I want to start my sermon today with two stories and two different perspectives on hope. There was a man who the king decided to sentence to death. But in his negotiations, the the guy was very lucky because he got a postponed punishment. I had to learn a word yesterday, reprieve. Um, By assuring the king that he would teach his majesty's horse to fly within one year on the condition that if he did not succeed it, he would be put to death at the end of the year. And the guy was very convinced that within a year, he said to the king, I'll do it. Or, within a year, you may die, or I may die, or the horse may die. But in a year, who knows? Maybe the horse will learn to fly. There were two guys, two religious figures that were asked in the end of their life to put down things. And shortly before his death, Gandhi wrote, All about me is darkness. I am praying for light. In contrast with the great D.L. Moody, who recorded his last words, well, whose last words were, this is my triumph. This is my coronation day. It is glorious. Now, we all have got different definitions of hope and how we see things with hope. Um, I've been reading quite a bit about this, and one of the things that I came up with is that when we try and figure out hope, we try to be very strategic. But um, when I see in the New Testament, I find out that there's no strategy about the biblical hope. Because it's one object, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the stories that I told you, they lead me straight to what I want to encourage you this morning. And I wanted to start off with what Paul writes to Corinthians in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. And he says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ... We are to be pitied more than all men. So it's very clear that Paul has got a more than an earthly perspective on hope. Because he knows that this kind of hope that he's talking about, the hope that he has experienced himself, it's more than earthly. It's life-changing. Do you remember Peter? Do you remember where he was 
after the Lord Jesus was crucified, he was hiding. And after the death and after the resurrection, Jesus comes to the ladies and he says, go and tell the disciples and Peter that I've come to life. I have kept my promise. Now, the reason why I bring Peter in is because the resurrection was a life-changing thing for him. And that's why he's got the guts to write in First Peter when he says, Praise be to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 A new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, God's grace and mercy was vivid for Peter. And it's vivid for us because we are part of the same thing. We can be part of the same resurrection story. We can believe in it. Not only because it changed Peter's life and hope is life changing, but sometimes we tend to think, or sometimes we tend not to think, that this hope in Christ that we've got is a gift of God's available to us and sadly we tend to miss it a couple of months ago on Facebook there was a story of um, Joshua Bell going around I don't know whether you read it or not but Joshua Bell is a famous violinist Um, now I don't know anything about music but he plays, um, correct me if I'm wrong, a Stradivarius violin worth it $3.5 million. And Joshua Bell charges $1,000 per minute in any performance in the world. Now, Washington Post wondered what would happen if they ask Bell to dress up normally and go and play as a street musician at the metro station in the DC connection. So Bell dressed in jeans and long sleeves t-shirts, took his multi-million violin to the metro and he was playing it during the rush hour. Now he chose this superb violin piece of of works, whatever you call it, and he played it marvelously for all the commuters. You could even watch it on YouTube. It's called Pearls Before Breakfast. Now, 
In truth, it's said that less than a dozen people out of 1,097 people that went by seemed to notice Bell's presence. Fewer yet passed even for a moment to listen to the finest music in the world of this genius. But there is a little story told that while all this was happening, there was a three-year-old clinging to his mom and not letting her go until he had finished what he has done. But life was too busy for the commuters. By the way, the next week, the cheapest ticket to go to his concert was $180. And people missed him on the busyness of life. Not only it's life changing, but I have got the feeling that I, myself, tend to miss this gift of hope because I am too busy being in the Bible college. And if a Bible college student is busy, that we talk about God's stuff all the time, you're not exempt. And that's why Paul has got the guts when he writes to the Ephesians to say, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Christians live in hope for two reasons. The first one we saw with Peter, resurrection. The second one, remember when Christ was preparing his disciples to leave the earth, he said, I will not leave you orphans. I will send you the Holy Spirit, which is going to live within you, in you. And he is the helper. So it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which we live in the hope of. Do we pray for one another that we know this hope? Jesus doesn't talk about hope in the New Test in, in the Gospels. It's more the apostles and the writers, the other writers that mention it more. And when when it's described as an illustration. Hope comes as an anchor in Hebrews and as a helmet in 1 Thessalonians. 
Shall I, it's better that I read the verses. First Thessalonians 5, 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as breastplates and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Hebrews 6, 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now, we all know why anchors are used. And I don't think there is any brave enough sailor to go to the sea without an anchor. Because it's not worth it. You never know the circumstances. So, the hope of the whole ship is based in only one thing. And if that thing doesn't work, the ship doesn't work. Hope has also been compared to the soldier's helmet. And the helmet, the Roman helmet, was used to protect the mind, the brain, the upper part of the body. So hope not only is secure, but it's also preserving, protecting. And I think when Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he knew that they had a well-grounded hope of eternal life. And that's why they were bearing all the hardships that they were wearing. I just want to say, I said to Pete, that I don't want to sound theoretical today. Nor do I want to sound idealistic about hope. Because um, when it comes to hope, I've struggled with it as well. Um, very interesting, um, many of you know that I've lost my dad in January. As, as he died, I was preparing my essay on Job. And I came across this commentary, which is very interesting. I never thought of it. He said, the book of Job deals with the theology of suffering and the sufferer, but not in any way to comfort the sufferer. But moreover, that how you find hope in the middle of suffering. And I thought that was brilliant. It's not for comfort, but it's how you find hope in the middle of suffering. And um, as I said, I almost missed the train on this one. Because 
things got hopeless. And I really needed something to prompt me and to think that I was not doing the same thing as those guys on the metro station was doing. And were God's promises. But in order for this God's promises to become somehow alive, you need faith. And faith and hope are like one coin with two sides. Um, I've said faith is the mechanism that puts hope into action. Remember when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he says there are three things, faith, love, and hope. But the greatest of this is love. He also prays or praises the Thessalonians in the beginning. And he says, we continually remember you before our God the Father. Your work that produced by faith. Your labor that prompted by love. And your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So, what do we do with it then? We've seen some verses. We've thought through some things that are obvious. It's life-changing. It's a gift. Let's not take it for granted. It's not dependent on another person person or group of people, but it's dependent on Christ alone. It's more than a wishful thinking. It's not determined by circumstance. It's not dependent on luck, chance, horoscope. But it's settled in the heart of God. What do we do with this hope? Well, first of all, let's join Paul when he says that I pray that you may know this hope. And let's not only wish it to one another, hopefully, but let's really pray that this hope is going to be transforming the life of Kensrell Baptist Church. Because we've got the greatest hope that exists out there. So I encourage you this morning, including myself, let's pray for one another that not only we know this hope, but we can experience because it's a living hope. I'm going to finish with Romans 15, 13. 
And that's my prayer for you, for Cairns Roads. That's my prayer for those of you who come on a Sunday. That's my prayer for those of you who come during the week. For those of you who go outside to your workplace, stay at home. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that our hope is in you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord of hope. And we come, Lord, before you with our struggles, with our doubts, with our joys. And we ask, Lord, that you'll grant for us the needed help to have our eyes focused in you because we know, Lord, that this hope can change our lives. And we want to know this hope, Lord, because it comes from above and because it's a result of your death and resurrection. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. We'll just take a bit of space to yeah, wait quietly before we sing. Okay.